Hello. Welcome and thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast, The God Beyond the Bible. Our podcast is released weekly each Friday. The content of each episode is based on the questions and curiosities we all have about God and the Bible. Many of our topics are considered taboo in the minds of the mainstream church. You will find our discussions to be, I think, refreshing and often far from traditional. But we don't just skirt around these complex issues, but confront them head on, and not in the way you're used to hearing them discussed on typical Christian talk shows. I'm Alan Rowland, creator and host of The God Beyond the Bible. As of the launch of this podcast, I've been a pastor for more than 35 years. My co-host is my daughter, Trayson, and our engineer, co-producer, is my daughter, Tabitha. Our mission is to encourage our audience, along with us, to open our minds to the reality that God is simply too big to be fully explored or experienced by the reading and studying of a single ancient work. In short, the Bible's not the sum of God, and to think this is to limit what He has done, is doing, and what He will do in our future. So with introductions made, thank you for listening, and let's dive into the topic of the day. All right, and welcome, Seekers, to podcast number 96 of God Beyond the Bible, the podcast by Seekers and for Seekers. Long time, no hear from you. We yes. took our traditional January off, and I guess we probably should have told everybody we were going to do that. It just kind of jumped on us all of a sudden. It did. We're trying to reformat, and we're kind of starting a new deal here. We're going to try to trim our podcast down to about 15 minutes. It's mm-hmm. just They just seemed like they kept getting longer, and we were getting uh, trying to too much information at one time, and so. Uh, hopefully this new format will work out for if, us so gonna be more relaxed and a little yeah. more just this discussion but first ones will seem the same so we broke down we're gonna do one it'll it won't be segments it'll just be mm-hmm. the podcast we'll end and try to do that in about 15 minutes and whether we get that accomplished or not we're gonna have to get started what about shout outs tracy by the way this is going to release the first of february yes okay so miss y'all all through january we're going to call this 2021 the year of enlightenment that's right okay. I like it. so our shout outs are to andy front we're glad to have you on board okay uh quote of the week peace is the result of retraining your mind to process life as it is rather than as you think it should be. I love, I love that. that. All right. Okay, so last episode, way About back in December. The <laughs> end of December. Yeah, we briefly explored, explored the four appetites of life, and they are physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual. And it's our opinion that a balance in these four areas of constant development is an important key to living a balanced and happy life. Sure. Okay, so in this episode, we're going to talk about our personal identity, and we're going to refer to it as our I am. Herself, or whatever, anybody. There's lots of words for this, but they're all meaning the same thing. Who who I really am. So we may each ask ourselves, what is my I am? It's really another way of asking, who am I? One of the two great mysteries of life that philosophers, intellectuals, and spiritual seekers alike That's have sought to solve. <laughs> <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. <laughs> have sought to solve for as long as there has been humanity, the other being. Why am I here? Mm-hmm. Well, let's begin by examining how we identify ourselves to others. Now, this is actually our ego self. And by ego self, we mean how we want others to perceive us or how we perceive ourselves through other people's eyes. And we know we did one on ego. We need to do some more. I'm still struggling with that. Uh, We believe we control this ego identity and we do to a degree because we only expose personality and character traits that we think reinforces or supports the identity we want others to have of us. 
And it sounds really simple, but at the same time, it's really complex and complicated. The you are identity that we promote and want others to have of us is not our true I am. Our ego self is very competitive. In fact, our ego self identity, the one that we promote and want others to have of us, is all about competition. It is about how my ego identity measures up compared to others. And that's a that's a that's a tough cycle to yes. begin. <laughs> it's a tough cycle to get out of. It is. Well, I was reading a Russian proverb the other day because I love. I get an email that's just all kinds of little proverbs from around the world. And there's a Russian proverb that says, each man has three masks, one he wears for the world, one he wears for his friends, and another he wears for those closest to him. But under the third mask lies the man he really is. Oh, that's good. That just about, yeah. well, we can quit. Yeah. <laughs> Trace and wrapped it up there for us. There we go. My uh-huh. Okay. So my ego identity, the one I want others to see and believe. That mask. Yes. That <laughs> mask is based on my accomplishments and my possessions. And this is especially true when it involves someone from our youth that we haven't connected with in a while. We're not so interested in the other person knowing what it is we do or what kind of house or neighborhood we live in. It's the impression that we think these details will make on our ego identity. And let me say something about that. What we don't really realize is if we would just say, you know, I'm living the simplest life. I live in this cabin and uh, I have electricity, but my electric bill is like $50 a month. And I I just live a very simple. That person actually would envy us. Oh, yeah. But we can't present that identity. No. That doesn't fit our ego idea. Is that making sense? It does. Uh, We secretly admire the simple. Mm -hmm. Because the ego can only divide and separate in order to elevate itself. That's all it's it's competition. Competition, Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, when someone asks, who are you? We have a myriad of pre-thought-out answers with which we may respond. These identity answers are a form of identity apologetics. I never really thought of that. We know the conclusion we want this person to come to, so we answer the who are you with well-rehearsed <laughs> answers that tell the person who we want them to think we are because sometimes we just really don't even know who it is we are. Mm-hmm. We think that's us. We've all unconsciously developed a storyline about ourselves that we've adopted and promoted as who we are. The storyline of our life is pretty much a collection of moments and events of our life experiences, good and bad, and how these experiences have impacted us. Our interpretation of how and why these events occurred that impacted our life is what we base a big part of our I am on. I am a happy or sad person. I am a blessed or cursed person. I am this type or that type of type of person because. And then we draw a conclusion of life experience that supports that self-identity. And that's really powerful and true. Uh, Storylines. Let that stick in your mind because we all have a storyline and we don't really know, realize it's a narrative that's in our mind. And mm-hmm. we live by that storyline and we make everything fit that storyline. Yeah. Our mind makes everything fit in that storyline. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to throw that in. So, for example... I am a sad and lonely person. Really? Are you really? I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am a sad and lonely person because I lost my mother at a very young age. See how we pick a storyline and we just start building on it? We add to the story as time goes by. You know, I, I lost my dog that I love. Everybody deserts me. Everybody deserts yeah, me. Everybody. Nobody can love me. Yeah. And we 
add to the story as time goes by because we've set the course for the narrative to follow and the storyline always follows the narrative course. Sure. If we've developed a victim mentality, then the storyline will always be about how unkind and unfair life is. We'll focus on the events that we deem unfair and minimize or ignore altogether the beautiful events that occur. And you know, this is part of the law of attraction. And the mm-hmm. law of attraction worth, works both ways. Mm-hmm. And you will, it's not so much, I don't think that you attract those things to you. That's what you pick out and see. Right. If you have a victim, and so, listen, folks, we've got a nation of people with victim mentality right now. Oh, we do. So I have to ask this. Do you guys think that changing our I am would be like a fake it till you make it kind of thing? Like if you start telling yourself, I'm a very happy person, and you focus on that throughout your days, do you think that will start changing your storyline? But not if it's fake. I think what it is is we, someone said once, man can't take too much reality. So we're afraid of reality. Well, I think that's why we're such a busy people. Yeah, no yeah. one wants to be still. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's where all, and really that's where spiritual awakening is, is when you're still. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be a human yeah. doing and no one wants to be a human being. Oh, yeah. Uh, what were you eight, Tracy or me? You. Okay. Uh, we'll pick out the negative in a blessed event to maintain the narrative of the victim mentality. For example, someone comes up and congratulates us on our daughter's recent engagement and marriage. We reply, yeah, they seem to really be happy and I should be happy. But since she's gone, I, I'm having a hard time. The house just seems empty. Yeah. And this pretend conversation speaks volumes about our I am as far as our perception of self-identity and as far as the ego self is concerned. First of all, the person is congratulating us. This means that they are perceiving that we are, or at least should be, happy (laughs) of the recent event. In reference to victim mentality, there are two things to reflect on. Number one, our I am is one of a negative narrative life story. And so, first of all, we must counter the person's indication that they think we're happy by admitting, yeah, we should be happy, but... You know, remember the, yeah, they seem really happy statement, but then comes that, but, but. (laughs) so what happens at this point is that a happy event doesn't fit my poor me storyline. So I must quickly squelch any idea that I'm actually happy. Secondly, and very important, I felt I needed to distract the attention from my daughter's big moment and direct the conversation to me. I force the narrative to fit my perception of who I am. And that's a person who suffers unfairly at every turn. I've added, excuse me, I have added my interpretation of this event to my I am or my life storyline in a way that fits the course of my life's narrative. And that is that I am a victim. Uh Adopting an I am or life storyline as a victim is just one example of how we allow our past to dictate our future. And whatever the I am is we adopt, we will faithfully add to our life storyline with a narrative that follows the course set. We literally live by and through our perception of our own I am. On the other end of the spectrum, we may have developed, Tracy, you mentioned this a while ago, we may have developed the I am that's always positive. While one may think this is the answer, if we have adopted a only good things happen to me storyline, we will min- minimize or totally fail to acknowledge the impact of disappointments in life. And this is not reality either. So when we live our life with this ego identity or really a false identity, it is as though we are living vicariously or in the third person. But no matter how hard we try to maintain our ego identity, 
we know that that identity cannot be our real I am. In fact, we do so much role playing in our life and have so few opportunities to contemplate our true identity, much less be our true self, that we substitute the roles we play for real life. I talked to a guy the other day and I mentioned this about the storylines and the role playing. He said, sometimes I feel like I'm just in a movie. Mm-hmm. I get that a lot. And I have to keep up that character. Yeah. And that, that's ego. Mm-hmm. That's that's role playing. That's what we do. And that's what we think our identity is. And we know that character. We know when we see a television character, they may be something like that character, but that's not who they are. Right. And most of us think that if other people really knew our true I am or the person that we really are inside, that they wouldn't understand or like us. So we role play posing as the person we think they'll like and at the same time assume that they are the person that we think they are even though they're really role-playing too and we end up in that movie yeah tabitha if you'll do four i've got a quote that i wanted to get and i didn't have it at the table so okay. if you'll do that all right so enough about our ego self-identity how do we discover who we really are we may discover a lot about ourselves if we pay attention to our own narrative A good place to start is to complete the phrase, I am, and then get a pencil and a lot of paper. (laughs) Yes. And don't let this narrative be influenced by ego self. This but, is but, include, but include ego self. Yes. Include everything I am. If it, if your ego self is I'm too fat, I'm too... Go ahead and include all that. Right. Because you can go back later and look and say, well, wait a minute. That's, really not, a, that's really not who I am. Just write right. an E beside that's all a, of those egos when you go back. Go right. back. Yeah. And this is just for your own personal discovery. So did you find your quote? I did. I wanted to quote something from... It may be a little late now, but Marcus... Uh, I don't know, is that Aurelius? He's a philosopher. He wrote, it never ceases to amaze me. We all love ourselves more than other people, but care more about their opinion than our own. I like that. It's very true. (laughs) It's very true. So what role does my Christian religion play in my perception of who I am? I mean, does it tell me who I am? Or who does it tell you you are? Yeah. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> what life storyline have I adopted as a result of its influence in my perception of who I am? The truth is that our Christian influences have likely programmed into us that we are dirty, filthy creatures, that even with our best efforts and intentions, we're still failures in the sight of God. We're literally told there is no good in you. The best that there is in you is filthy rags from God's perspective. Now, most of us have blindly 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 adopted this victim theology without any question or thought but let's think about what's being said here we say that we are made in the image of the divine in the image of god and that and that god is good yet there is no good in us an atheist friend of ours said it like this the problem i have with religion is that it and i agree with him as far as religion's mm-hmm. concerned the problem i have with religion is that it takes all of our good qualities and gives them to god attributes them to god and we take all of the bad qualities and own them ourselves mm-hmm. and and that plays a lot into and we've talked about it the low self-esteem and the mm-hmm. problems that we have so how many of us have been raised on the theology that god does not love us for who we are but in spite of who we I've are. I've said it myself. And that the only good in us is what he put in us after we chose to believe on him. I, I've said that myself. <laughs> this creates a conflicted and false storyline to build the narrative of our life on, yet we will record the narrative of our life to fit the storyline we have adopted. Don't we? Oh, yes. Absolutely. So 
I have to ask this question before I go into mine. Do you guys ever have issues with saying really simple things like I'm a good person? Well, yeah. yeah. Because in my spirit, I know that I am a good person. I don't do evil things regularly or yeah. sabotage people. But I kind of feel wrong for saying that. Like, oh, you're not supposed to say that about yourself. Right. Yeah. So I want you to ask yourself this. Were you pure evil before you made a decision to believe in God? Now, I've heard people give their testimony that they were. This mm-hmm. is just, I was just, mm-hmm. I would have been a murderer if God hadn't. A, Right. Yes. Come in, and but we'll talk about that some other so time. So did I never do anything to aid, help, or relieve the suffering of another human being before I decided to believe in God? Did I hate everyone and go about sabotaging the lives of everyone around me out of jealousy? I know believers that do that. <laughs> me too. Did I steal everything that wasn't nailed down and lie at every opportunity for personal gain and to hurt others? Was I greedy and never showed any generosity to anyone? And we know that's not true. No. We know that even the people that get on a bad path in life and, and go down a bad path, never discover who they are, end up in prison, maybe murder. And they still love their family, their mother. They still talk about and cry mm-hmm. about their, you know. Right. They're not pure evil. The storyline of our Christian religion urges us to make the narrative say we were pure evil and there was no good in us. But the reality is that isn't true at all. We can't be the image of something that is purely good and be purely bad. I mean, yeah, that statement explains itself. And to adopt the mindset that we must own the bad and attribute the good to another is not a healthy storyline. It's not our true I am. Of course, there is an avenue that we can use to explain our bad, and and that is the influence we call the devil, but that's for another discussion. So until next time, may God's unconditional grace, peace, and love be in, on, and radiate out from each of you, our fellow listeners from all of us here at God Beyond the Bible. Did you enjoy listening to God Beyond the Bible? Do you have an idea for an episode? Connect with us today. Visit our website at godbeyondthebible.com, all one word, or send us an email at email at godbeyondthebible.com, or you can visit us on Facebook. Just type God Beyond the Bible into the search bar.